Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that provides a platform and voice to ordinary people by bringing together a diverse panel to discuss and educate on the issues of today and tomorrow in a free exchange of culture, thoughts and ideas. Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that invites members of the community to share their thoughts and observations on the issues of today and tomorrow. My name is Peter Jones and I'm your host. I was born and raised and have lived most of my life in and around Birmingham. For the last 30 years, I've worked in the IT education sector. I'm a volunteer for Birmingham-based charities and good causes. Therefore, shout out to Love Brum, Let's Feed Brum and Birmingham Civic Society. Uh, I've got a, a panel today that is eager to discuss tonight's topic, which is to help achieve equality in a multicultural society. Should we retrospectively review the status of statues, songs, and TV programmes? Something that's been very topical in the, uh, in the media today, even had the, uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, putting his two pence worth in. Uh, but before we get onto that, let's uh, get the panel to introduce themselves. Barry, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, hi, good evening. And uh, my name's Barry. Um, I'm based, I live in Birmingham in Edgebaston. Um, I've been living here for um, 30 years. My uh, original roots are from Kent. Um, and I've been living in here, married my wife, who's of Asian uh, background. And uh, so we've got two growing up children aged 20, 23 and 21. And um, I work in the IT industry, mainly to do with training and consultancy work. Great. Thank you, Barry. Um, I'm a sales professional and have been over the last 20 plus years um, from recruitment and then in the last seven years in learning and development uh, IT technology. Thank you, Eve. Earl. Hi, everyone. I'm Earl Hibbert. Uh, I live in Worcester, uh, also uh, born locally. So I was born in Bromsgrove. I've lived um, throughout um, I suppose the surrounding areas for all of my life. I have worked in the learning development, change management, EDI and recruitment space and more latterly uh, apprenticeships for the last 30 odd years. So evening. Great. Thank you all. And Max. Hi everybody. My name is Maxwell Cookhorn. Um, I've worked in teaching for the last 20 years and did sales before that. I specialize in teaching mathematics and usually work with kids with learning difficulties or behavioural issues. Uh, and I've lived the whole of my life in and around Hansworth in Birmingham. Okay, thank you, Max. Thank you very much for that, and thank you for, uh, for joining me. Right, so tonight's topic, uh, to help achieve equality in a multicultural society, should we respectfully review the status of statues, songs and TV programmes? Um, we have been hearing in the news over the last sort of few weeks uh, various opinions on uh, whether particularly songs should be uh, looked at, uh, reviewed, uh, sung at um, uh, sort of prestigious events, things like you know, last night at the proms and whatnot. Uh, and you know, there's been a, a very sort of divisive campaign uh, to uh, to change that. I'd like to get to know um, get, well, to get to know your view. Then talk to the panel here. Uh, on, on that and also 
uh, the controversy about statues that happened earlier on in the year. Earl, um, shall we get at it? Can you give us a, a head start? Yeah, thanks, Pete. I, I personally am less bothered about the removal or not singing to the Rural Britannia and other songs, which I understand culturally. Um, they probably may need uh, revisiting at some stage, but I think there are so many more important issues that we need to address first and foremost, which I know we're going to go on to, which are statues and some historic programs that I guess really do need both removal and also uh, to be put in places where people can make or learn about in an educational sort of way. But I, as I say, I'm less concerned about the songs that perhaps um, have really sort of um, been at the forefront of the media over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the BBC did a complete uh, reversal on their mm. sort of decision, which it did. It, it did. It sort of um, clouded the sort of whole issue and brought it back into focus. And for that reason, it was good because it, it got highlighted and it made people think much more about actually links to songs such as that. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you, Will. Thanks for that. And um, I think I, I agree. Um, in terms of battles that we need to fight, this is not a hill that we need to die on. Uh, Eve, what's your, what are your thoughts? Um, in regards to songs similar to Earl, not really... I, I never watched The Proms the last night. I've, I've watched maybe a couple of minutes of The Proms and I, I Googled the... Um, the lyrics today mm-hmm. in regard because I never really knew what the lyrics were land of hope and glory <sighs> I suppose how deeply you want to look into it really if we aligning it to um, black people or Asian people and say for the Windrush generation they came over here and it was because you know England was considered the land of hope the motherland mm. and land of glory and where we may uh, sort of look where ethnic people are today. Do we feel like we're in a land of hope and, and is there much glory for us or anyone who is surpassed that, that top sort of 1% of wealth mm. then, mm, and then swing low, sweet, Sweet Chariot as well, which um, is sung at, at rugby mm. as well. I mean, we, we always knew that Swing Low, Sweet Chariot was a Negro spiritual song anyway. Yeah. So it's no sort of great surprise to us. I think for me, it's like, why is the media suddenly almost steering it up and saying, oh, these songs are controversial, they have to re- be removed, They've always been there. Um, we're now in the 21st century. So why? Because of the Black Lives Matter movement, we started to look at it. Um, mm. But the songs, for me, hasn't really no, doesn't really grate on me as much as the statues. Okay, all right. Which we're going to talk about later. Yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you, Eve, for that. Barry, what about uh, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you on the panellists as well about the severity or the concern of, of of these things and possibly because it's new I think 
that there is a political drive behind this and part of that politics is is the little p of the politics of the bbc and there's a new um director general who wants to say he is not all lefty and he's going to be putting trying to balance things out or mm. balance things differently to to you know arguably the left balance that has been in the past so, um i think that there's a little of that which which has been caught up with this particular incident but if you have a look at our national anthem you know we normally only sing the first verse of that yeah or we only hear the first verse of it should i say um the second verse is about you know killing scots yeah um <laughs> and um it, you know the 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 point is that if you take that lyric and you read the words of it but if you, if you see you know land of hope and glory nobody really knows the words i i guess or very few people know the words but more so even if you sing along to a song I don't think you're embracing necessarily what you're not saying. Oh, I, I'm behind this. Potentially, there are other songs where people have got behind that and they have used that for an anthem, positively, mm. possibly in a negative way. So that's that's the concern. But you know, if if it's a relatively new phenomenon that we're talking about this because it's come into the news, it's come into the news and we're talking about it rather than it's something that we've been aware of for some time. So yeah, again, like your other panelists, I think maybe in the fullness of time we do need to stop and think about what the content is in here but the larger subject matter about this and uh, uh, you know about statutes and tv programs and all the rest of it it comes back to um somewhere a line needs to be drawn and there are certainly areas where there's a lot more consent hmm. and it's easier to draw the line than it is to have a look possibly at these at this point in time yeah. but then goes into do you ban it which causes other you know issues about the society we're in or do you change the lyrics and to make them a bit more balanced for one a better word again it, the song is what it is so it's difficult to say so i don't i don't think that we should ignore some some of these lyrics on there and what you know, the point that I would make as we go through the, the whole briefing of this is that sensibilities change over time and you need to respond to those, which is why, you know, we'll, you know I'll let you lead the conversation on, on statues and TV programmes and what have you. The same applies that, you know, if it was OK then, it doesn't mean that it's OK now. Yeah. And if it's OK now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be OK in the future. The future, so, yeah. Okay. The sensibilities of a nation, or of of the our global nation, individuals, etc., changes over time. So we, we need to reflect that. And um, at at the moment, um, it, it's um, an interesting conversation, but it's not something to get upset about. In my my yeah. view, that's the I'm getting. Okay, great. Thank you, Barry. Um, Max. Hi. Um, yeah. Hi. I'm very much in agreement with particularly what Barry just said. Um, I think in many ways it's a work in action at the moment. We need to have the discussions, have the debates, establish the facts, um, basically get the record clear about what those lyrics are, about what those songs actually do represent or what the lyrics do say. Mm -hmm. um, because the reality is... I've never really sang any of those songs. Um, people that do really feel a fervour about them, I think really they need to actually 
explain and discuss um, what it is that they are singing about mm. uh, and be able to justify that uh, with with a good look at the, the lyrics. But it's a discussion do, that... Do you not I've think, not... Mac, Max, do you not think that, uh, and just a point, do you not think this is deflecting uh, us all away from the real issues? I mean, for me, this is... Uh, am i am i really concerned about the lyrics in the song at this moment in time or are there as i said earlier are there some really sub, much more seismic issues which really su- supersede um us sitting down reviewing sort of songs of old looking at their sort of context or are there things that we absolutely need to you know uh, talk about discuss debate and agree that you know things need to change I really think that in answer to that question, there's, there's, you need to consider the fact that, I mean, there's an expression that goes, if you look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. Mm. It may be a little thing that does not mean it's an unimportant thing, but obviously I don't think it is a first priority. I think if we get into the discussion about the facts, um, about the history of these people and the statues and the, and the songs and the whole discussion about, all of these issues, when the facts become apparent and clear and discussed openly and regularly amongst everybody, then it becomes pretty clear what is acceptable and what is not. Obviously, there's a line drawn at some point as to what is going to stay and what is going to go, what is going to go into museums, um, the kind of appendages that would go with those museum pieces, and what is just totally unacceptable. Great, thanks, Max. Right, so I'm getting the sense here, and I I have to agree with everyone as well on on, on the panel that uh, this is not an important issue, Um, and it's been, in in my view, blown out of all proportion by the media. I'm not fully understanding why it has been uh, elevated to uh, such a status, Uh, and certainly, you know, you know, Rule Britannia and Land of Hope and Glory. Uh, and um, you know all, all those type of songs, they are sung. They're not really understood by the people who who sing them. The majority of people who sing them, um, I, I don't think there's a, a great deal of malice. There's a lot of chest beating involved. I think um, you know we're, we're British and you know we like to beat our chest uh, about that. I've, I've sang songs at rugby, rugby matches <clears throat> because you know it's a, you know it's a feel good factor. Everyone else is singing. It gets the uh, gets the blood pumping and all that kind of stuff, um, but I don't think that it, it's as an important issue as the media and certainly our current prime minister has uh, has, has has made of it. Uh, and what what um, is sort of niggling away in the back of my mind uh, is this just a way to dumb down on the whole conversation around other things like statues and deflection, isn't it? Like that, yeah, yeah. Ab- ab- mm. absolutely. Um, so listen, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're all in agreement regarding the songs, but let's move on to the sort of broader issue of statues and things like that. You know, um, uh, these, these these things that we we walk by on a daily basis, we see on a regular basis that stand tall and proud. You know, in our capital cities, uh, in you know major cities and towns. Uh, that you know, for many many years, I guess we've been walking by pretty instantly. Um, do you think that there should be a, a root and branch review of 
these statues and things wholesale who wants to in the, in the word yes okay i, I think Agreed. i think there should should be an educational piece because we only see one side of the coin mm -hmm. even as black or asian people we may not know the the full implications of what that does that statue represent Mm -hmm. What does that usually a man? It's not always the case, but it's usually a white male that's on the plinth with a little placard, and um, it's not taught in schools what that individual actually did. We want. Um, I know that Boris Johnson said, "Oh, it's tearing down our history." Well, it's part of our history as well. Mm -hmm. But let's see both sides of the coin. You know, okay. They were they got popular or they got their wealth through slavery. Let that be known that their wealth was mm -hmm. generated through slavery. That I don't say celebrate them on every street corner. Why don't we take them off the streets and put them in a museum Easy. with the whole story? A bit like the Liverpool museum about that the, i've never been there myself but i hope it's very educational we should have educational museums and centers like that in every major city mm. okay. i know why they got it in liverpool because there was a big slave trade there mm. but we should have that in every major city where these statues are mm -hmm. if you can't have it in a museum have it in the library. Let it be an educational piece, but let's have the full story, not okay, so, just so one you, part you of the You don't want the destruction of these statues. You just want them put in, a, in an appropriate place where people can get some education and some real understanding. Uh, yeah. so, even if you don't have the statue, but have a, a full narrative. At the moment, we have got a very skewered sort of narrative of that history. Mm. Let's have the full history because we've spoken about it before that the, a lot of things about slavery and about black or Asian history, we didn't know until we left school and, and we're still learning now. Mm. And we're in our 50s, 40s mm. and 50s, um, and we're still learning now. So let's have the, the open narrative and the full narrative rather than this very skewered point of view. Okay, um, uh, Earl, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was uh, sorry. There's, yeah, there's. Uh, I was going to comment on uh, the most prolific uh, and sort of highlighted um, profile statues, uh, the Colton statue uh, that uh, was in Bristol that was uh, torn down. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, you know, there were several sort of petitions, as I understand it, to remove that particular sort of statue. Um, through the normal sort of process, through councils, it never really sort of uh, took any sort of momentum. I think that the council, as again, as I understand it, were more concerned about putting a plaque on there, but couldn't decide what to put on that plaque. That is one of the statues that absolutely belongs in a museum because actually, you know, Edward Colson was responsible for the deaths of you know, 80,000 sort of, um, uh, men and women um, who were obviously slaves. Mm. So that backstory, all that narrative, all that history has to be told and put into context because what people used to see in that square were the schools and the colleges and the contribution that sort of Edward Colston made 
financially, what they probably didn't know is where those proceeds came from and originated from. So well, I think that's I, I, one. Of- yeah, I, I, mean, I, I hear you, and, and, and uh, I think it's, it's, it's a good point. I, I find it hard to believe that uh, who, whoever commissioned the statue were were not in knowledge of the fact of where he he earned his living, uh, and um, you know some of the atrocities that he uh, he, he committed. I mean. You know, say, we're not talking about Jimmy Savile here. Yeah, and even Jimmy Savile, sort of like, you know, there were people in, in, in the know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, what, what he did for a living was quite obvious to to a lot of people. I think, uh, obviously... At the but they top, hid it, didn't they, and called him a philanthropist? Yeah, yeah. Which, you know... Yeah, but, make, but you know, if you, I guess if you were a philanthropist... Sorry, I'll try to say that again. Philanthropist... You know, uh, back in in the day, it was uh, a code word for slave owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Barry, we what, know that now. Yeah, Barry, what what, what are your thoughts? Because you've lived in yeah. a, a, num- a number of cities um, throughout the UK. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts? Okay, well, I mean, one of the first thing is, is is your point is that we we invariably walk past statues wherever if you live in a city, you walk past mm. statues of people and normally you, you neither care who they are or or you certainly don't know um and perhaps because of, of my background um i'd never heard of edward colston until the the events that, that came to light with where he ended up in in the um harbor um the the issue about the, the you know just again just a little bit of history the, that that statue was put up in 1895 where the sensibilities may have been somewhat different um i'm not saying they didn't know whether he was a slave trader in 1895 but it you know it was a different time um and also in something like 1990 that first partition that i was talking about a petition people said look we need to remove this it's no longer appropriate um so the, if you lived in that area and you were aware, of course, I'm not, you know, uh, I've been to Bristol, but I don't know that area too well and certainly not like in the history of it. But something like that is pretty obvious that that guy should never be uh, represented as anything other than a, you know, a bad reflection on that part of our British history. Mm. Now, once again, you know, smashing things and, and throwing them in, uh, uh, the symbolism was, is not lost, throwing the guy into the harbour. But he, he needs to be kept and definitely not in a prime location, but he needs to be in a museum or, or libraries, another example. But what we need to do is we need to tell the story. So, um the you know the comment is about you know we didn't learn you know at school I I did history until I was fourteen mm-hmm. and then I dropped it I didn't do O level history so but even if you did O level history you learned about World War Two and and um, fighter planes and and all the interesting stuff that that boys learn about uh, and the so much of our history that we we don't know about and every country's the same I mentioned this on the last podcast that I I was in Israel. And we were visiting Yad Vashem, the, the Holocaust Museum, with a couple of German girls. And they walked out of that in bits because they obviously knew about World War II. They knew about Hitler and all the rest of it. But they had no idea how bad, you know, the German part of this was and the fact that the, all, all, you know, six million Jews or what have you died on there. But also I walked out there. And I learned about the British history, about what we did to the to the Jewish people when they came over 
prior to the war kicking off. And we were saying, no, you can't come on our shores. And and the British sensibility was very much, you know, an anti-Jew, not not in the same way as Hitler's regime. But we need to learn about this stuff. And, and you need you, you can't hide the past mm-hmm. and you can't be economical with the truth. And if the reality is that actually what we did is quite shameful, you need to say, look, this is the person who we you know took inspiration from and this is the person that was sat on a plinth and this is you know don't get rid of him because again you know i know there's always cliches what you learn from history is you never learn from history but the minute you start throwing those things away and smashing them up Hmm. then they disappear from people's memories so yes i didn't know who the guy was and and i could well have walked past his statue and not given a monkeys but Hmm. now i do know about him Hmm. i want other people to also know so again, you know, if if you come from and, and sorry, Barry, do do, yeah. do do you think there should be again a wholesale review of all statues in the UK because you know we didn't know about Colson? Uh, are there others that we don't know about? Okay, well, Which... well, obviously the the, the very um, contentious one at the moment is Churchill, mm. um, because he, you know, he he has um, and again this this is you know. Only recently he was voted the Britain's most great historical figure ever. Mm. And he led the wartime Britain into a place where he he has been worshipped, and and rightly so. But prior to that, you can look up lots of places, and there's a whole list of of things that he has said and he has done, which are, uh, at the best, not appropriate for the world that we live in today. So with something like Winston Churchill, you have got a, a bit of, of, of a, a question which is harder to answer because, again, it comes back to this. Don't hide the past and don't be economical with the truth. So here's Winston Churchill. Should we review him? Yes, we should. Should we recognise what he was good at? Yes, but also recognise what he wasn't. So now, unfortunately, you can't put that on. You can't write a book on a, on a placard because no one's going to read the book. You've got to summarise it in a hundred words or less because it's going to just be lost anyway. Okay. So it's that that is the difficulty with with, with a complex character like Churchill, unlike Colston, who, who you know, it, it's a bit more easy to say. Yeah, there's his story. Look, okay. this is this is the man. This is what he did. This is what he's responsible for. Hopefully, we've learned that that will never ever happen again. I want to put a There's question a website, to, isn't to, there, that yeah. I've been created, Pete, called "Topple the Racists," and that's oh, right. Uh, yeah, and it literally is. Um, they started a, uh, and they are activists. Started a crowdfunding um, to really kind of lift all the monuments and statues of British figures that were linked to both slavery and racism. And what, what's so, the website again, Earl? It's called "Topple the Racists." And that's doing a systemic review on, as I say, all of those, uh, I guess, monuments um, to British figures that were linked to slavery and sort of racism. But, you you know, you've got to think about people like Robert Baden-Powell, you know, infamous sort of scout leader, Cecil Mm. Rhodes, Robert Milligan, slave trader. There there are lots of them that are included in that. I want to put a question to Max here. Max, um... These figures, these historical figures, who are have some uh, renowned and they are they are um, uh, look, looked upon as statesmen and um, 
historical figures that are central to you know, British culture uh, and are revered and, 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 and honoured on a regular basis. Can they, in this sort of review, can they retain that sort of historical uh, kind of status as well as have that dodgy background? Um, Is that possible? I think they can, and I think that they do. I.e., for example, Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be very, very difficult to deny the fact that Churchill was inspirational in the mm-hmm. British efforts uh, against the Nazis, but he was also a flawed human being. And although a lot of people are flawed human beings, his, his flaw, from what I remember, he was involved in um, atrocities in Ireland, Northern Ireland, yeah. and stuff like that from his earlier years. Um, ah, just a, a, a person who didn't have a lot of moral ambiguity ab- about using um, violence and unethical uh, tactics um, against what he perceived to be his enemy. So uh, maybe that came in handy against the Nazis. I'm, I'm not actually sure tactically. But what but, you just said there, Max, I mean, that, that if you look through history, mm-hmm. that is something that the British and Europeans... I do say the Americans, um, that's ingrained in how they, uh, what, what they call maybe explore other lands. You know, they inflict violence mm. on other cultures. They tear yeah, yeah. down other cultures and, and, and their uh, statues. That's, and That's the building of empire, isn't it? That is the building of empire. That, 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 that's correct. So um, are you saying that if we, if we are honouring... Um, some of these people who have been instrumental in the tearing down of cultures um, and enslaving people uh, and and the atrocities that go along with that, that we are complicit with with, with that that way? I I don't think so, because you can't... I mean, everybody can't be complicit in the decisions that are made by some anyway. So that would never work. Mm. But I, I'm not even really looking for complicity. I, I think what I'm looking for is uh, a more even-handed uh, look at the whole issue, mm. i.e. you take um, people like Churchill, people that are statesmen, and you review their record and then you make certain decisions about it. But you also have to look at history from another context, i.e. there were lots of heroic people in the 17th, 18th, 19th hundreds, uh, centuries sorry, 17th, 18th, 19th century. Um, and these many of these people were slaves. Mm-hmm. Many of them led rebellions. Many of them um, defended their homelands. Many of them were inspirational, noble, and they are part of the British uh, history as well. The Maroons are mm-hmm. legendary for fighting mm-hmm. war after war after war of yeah. the British force, forces. Mm-hmm. They held them back. Yeah. That never became conquered in, in Jamaica. And, in Jamaica, and that's right. The um, Caribbean islands as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look in South America, you got armies that developed their own martial arts in Capira mm-hmm. um, and used those tactics to befuddle the the forces that they came across as well. So there's there's people that need to be looked at um, from a different side, from a different context, uh, as not just the white guy in a uniform who had lots of slaves and built guns and built machines. And and don't forget as well, a lot of that machines and guns and stuff, it was all developed off the back of the money that was made 
from the slave trade anyway. Yeah. So yeah. the nobility was just the fact that they um, compiled money and then spent it on somebody else, mm. i.e. Thomas Tesla, um, Tesla or, you know, there were geniuses that yeah. were doing a lot of the engineering work that de developed the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. I mean, okay. sorry, very quickly, someone yeah. like Tesla, for example, mm. why is he almost a, a forgotten uh, character in history? He was a genius and he, everything that we owe, uh, modern electricity, light bulbs, a lot of the developments in light bulbs were down to him. Just someone... This, this is the same Tesla that the, uh, the, the car is named after, yes? Yes, okay. but, but he's, he's actually uh, the designer of the AC, the alternating current yeah. um, electric circuit yeah. tree okay. system that we have today, and yeah. a lot more. And he was a genius. My point is, why don't we celebrate the actual geniuses instead of the money men? Okay, so listen, the, the next sort of couple of questions that I, I want to sort of throw in are who, sh who should do the reviewing? Yeah, who, who should be responsible for reviewing these statues? And should there be, I mean, something that you've just touched on, Max, should there be other figures brought into scope who should be honoured? Uh, Eve, have you got any, any thoughts on that? Um, who should do the review yeah. i think it would be refreshing if it's a committee not only political personnel and um sort of infrastructure personnel but just ordinary people as well like well, what what would you like to say um and I think it has been done on a very small scale on, on things like naming a ship or something like that. And it was ordinary people who named the ship in the end, even though there was a few comical names going around. Um, I think if, 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 if I could remember the name. But Boaty Bowface or something <laughs> yeah. like that, I think, which yeah. I, I think will be quite fitting myself personally. But um, <laughs> it, it would be... It would be refreshing if it is ordinary people who are included in that. Because the reason why I suggest that, if it's going to be the same people, the politicians, you're going to get the same results. Yeah. And it will be um, highlighting and um, commemorating those people of industry rather than people that can can inspire the ordinary person and give them hope. It just so, always has to be about money. So, so people, so I guess, so people from um, uh, academia, people from people from from politics, people from the community, people from industry. Uh, so, you, so, a collective of people from all walks of life uh, that should have input into how these things are reviewed. Can you say that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I would say I would say that, but maybe less from um, politics and less. academia, okay? Because they they represent the infrastructure, and I think you'll you'll just get pretty much the same again. Sure, uh, yeah, I, I have my own view about academics. No offense, Max, but uh, um, okay, uh, uh, Earl, what 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 about you? What do you think um, about how uh, these statues should be reviewed and? how we should maybe bring other um, notable figures into the, uh, in, into the limelight or into the... Into I, 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 uh, I'm inclined to agree with Eve. This has to be, and, you know, we have to use ordinary people, 
purely and simply because actually there will be a hidden agenda if it's councils, if it's um, if there's any political sort of um, representation, there will be an agenda which really doesn't look at the sort of key issues. Mm -hmm. So I'm all in favour of a panel of ordinary people being, um, whether it's voted on or elected to represent the local community. And it has to be about, obviously, local input and mm -hmm. local people. So you're saying that, that there should be representation if there are sort of um, ethnic communities in a, in, in a particular region, that they should get a, if you want, a, a seat around the table and have their say? Absolutely. I think it's ethnicity. I think it's all, I think it's the local community. And for me, that's not just about sort of black, Asian, uh, ethnics. It's about actually bringing in together local people to fight a common threat, which is obviously the misrepresentation of those statues that need to obviously be discussed. People need to understand the sort of history mm. and they need to make an informed choice about whether collectively as a community, whether they want that particular stat statue to represent their city. Mm. And if so, do they want that in a museum where it probably belongs or is there a justifiable reason why that should be uh, displayed or continue to be displayed in the way that they are throughout, uh, throughout the UK? Okay. Barry, is, do, you, do you think there's justification for... For some people to be um, a little bit sort of upset and um, vocal about all this discussion around statues and songs and you know TV programs, as if um, you know, that people are trying to erode yep. you know, their culture, mm -hmm. I think that's justified. Um, there, there is a, a valid argument that um, if if you were to, to review any British statesperson or any British historical figure of a certain age, you could probably say they were all racist, homophobic, fascist, and, and all the rest of it, because hmm. the education of the time, and you've got to bear in mind that people were, again, academic people were teaching children at school that the white race is superior to the black race. It's not cultural things, looking at next door neighbour, thinking I've got a better car than them. Mm. It was people being educated that that was correct. People at university were saying that. So if you're brought up in an environment where you are taught racist things, mm. it is in inevitable that you will be racist because you, you can't I'll go on the internet back in the 1800s and say, are they right? Mm. You know, so, um, so if you go back far you know, a hundred years or more, you can pretty much guarantee everybody will fall under that category. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that would be the same if you, if you were to have a look at any other country around the world, look at, looking at Europeans, Americans, Africans, or whatever, you know, the, 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 the way that people perceive themselves in, in, in those times, it's not a cultural thing. It was, racism according to the, the the correct technical definition of racism i believe my race is hmm. physically and mentally superior to yours because that is what i i believe and i believe it because i've been taught it by the, the university pr professors i've been taught it by my school teachers and all the rest of it so, Barry, if, if, so could i just could i just interject very quickly yeah would you consider the fact that 
if everybody was racist, and we discussed this openly um, uh, in the modern day era, we just openly discussed mm. racism as it was then, and mm. even as it is now, mm. would that not help this whole entire discussion anyway, though? Absolutely. You know, that, that comes back to that, that point again about not trying to hide the past, mm. telling the, the whole truth. Do not be an economical truth. Tell it. This is this is what we need to know. And we all have got a, you know, us as individuals and nations and countries and local areas all have a perception of the world that they've been taught. And we have the ability to learn and we can go out and read some information. But I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to, being funny. I'm not going to go and, and read a book um, on every cultures uh, and every individual in this in, in my historical past. I'm not interested. Hmm. I, I am interested in the way the world is changing, and I think you know there are positives on there. But going back to, to you know having a look at how people deal with things, are people upset? And again, you know, talking about like this this idea of having a, a, a committee to review what's normal. Yes, if you were to put politicians and academics into it, chances are you would end up with the majority white, middle to older age um, population of of people who's in there. Now, if if you want to say to, if you say hands up, who's interested in looking at reviewing statues, then you will have people with a vested interest, both uh, aggressively for and aggressively against. What you want. Is really anyone who doesn't put their hand up. Yes, I want you. I want you, the normal person. And also, what I want, if you have a look at um, the, the demographics of, of what's happened with this Black Lives Matter, we had a, a brief discussion previously on where do we get our knowledge from. My daughter, who's just coming up to 21, she gets most of her information from social media. And I'm thinking social media is a bad thing, but she's learning from there. And her perception is what's taught on, on what you, you get on that media. And what you need to do is to say, right, I want to have people of different age groups as well and different um, uh, backgrounds in education. If you want me to review something that, that's, that's happened in the past, we need to, to get some education first. But you, say, you, you can't say to a 15 or 16 year old kid at school learning GCSE, um, you know, an extremely sophisticated political, what we're doing is we're learning snapshots. And as you go, gr grow older, you start to become a little bit more sophisticated in understanding things. You are, um, you know, you can read more than one article and you, you understand some of it is, is different people's perspectives. So again, in history, we learn, you know, we, we learn what people so are you, are, are you saying that it's so it's justified? So people's um, concern uh, and their uh, perceived erosion of their culture is, is justified. Um, justified is not the word. I, I, I can see that that people would would feel that a concern about it. Okay. So the, the question again, going back to the, the Churchill question. Um, Churchill said some terrible things about Gandhi. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that's listed. Oh, he's a terrible, you know, that little brown man with his loincloth and all the rest of it. And and there's other people saying, hold on a minute, let's get those Gandhi statues down because when he was in South Africa, 
you know, and you've got that three-tier society in South Africa mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. with whites, colours and blacks. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he, he was very racist there and some of the things that the Gandhi did. So, mm-hmm. again, this sensibility, everyone was saying, well, actually, you know, Gandhi's my hero, Church was my hero. Don't take that away from me. But what I'm saying is if you can, if you can say, right, here's the positives and here's the negatives, it's got to be delivered in a way that can be put into, for want of a better word, sound bites that an ordinary average audience can consume without getting bored and tedious. This is a political agenda. I just want to know, tell me the good things, tell me the bad things. If I'm interested, I will go and learn some more about it. But don't be, um, uh, don't say that black and white, this, this man is is evil or this man. I mean, again, Colton, it, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling a bit more with, but but with someone like Churchill, you can't say he was he was a bad man, and you can't say he was a good man. You've got to, um, and people have got to be able to take grab hold of that and understand it. Does anyone else think that um, you know the the uh, objections about you know reviewing statues and whatnot is justified in 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 whole or in part? I think um, with regards to the statue, there is the one argument about the that age and the time that these people lived in. Um, meaning that they're neither good or bad. I totally accept that argument. But I think there's also a contextual argument about our era and what do we think of what they represent or how they are represented. So putting them on a plinth, is that the appropriate way to represent a certain person who made their wealth, especially if their wealth is their only accomplishment, and they made their wealth off the back of slavery, then why are they on a plinth in the middle of a harbour advocating for something or other nobility you see my point my, mm. my point is it's not only about the individual and the time that they lived in it's also about how we look at them that where we're looking at them from yeah okay good okay so listen just just moving on a, a, a beat I, I sort of want to talk a little bit about you know what we see in the media and, and the sort of um, you know tv programs uh and and um you know, films, I guess, as as, as well, um, the, those sort of visual sort of images. You know, if we go back to the 70s when, you know, dare I say, there were things, you know, like the black and white minstrel show and love thy neighbour and all that kind of stuff where things were a little bit, um, hmm, yeah, close to the knuckle, uh, for want of a better term. Uh, uh, Earl, have you, have you got any, any thoughts on whether things have improved? Um, obviously, some of these shows are, are, are being rerun. Uh, on various maybe smaller uh, media channels. Uh, do, do you think that's acceptable? Um, I don't, if I'm honest with you. I think uh, there's been a real call to arms to remove a lot of inappropriate of um, shows. And I think you just referenced a couple of them. So if you think about things that are or have appeared in the media mm. recently, uh, Little Britain, uh, mm. the depiction of obviously sort of, you know, those two sort of uh, actors uh, blacking their face up and uh, really sort of taking on um, West Indian sort of uh, characters, uh, not acceptable. Both selector, uh, you know, if you go way back to um, the 70s, as you just referenced, Love Thy Neighbor, uh, Mind Your Language, you'll, you'll probably all, or you might remember Jim Davison's uh, mm. depiction of the Chalky, was mm-hmm. his obviously sort of uh, imaginary black friend. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- there were so many things that were deemed to be, uh, not by uh, everyone, but deemed to be acceptable as uh, comedy and entertainment. But I think the 
hugely and highly inappropriate now and actually quite offensive um, mm. it's in, it's interesting because you think these things don't uh, they don't stick but uh, I was out recently and this was just through lockdown and I was standing in a queue outside a supermarket and I just happened to sort of uh, catch uh, the lady and her son behind me and the lady probably was in her sort of late 40s she was having a conversation with someone else uh, on a hands-free phone and she happened to say yes uh, we'll use the gollywog one and I mm. I, I I was taken aback. I really was. So I turned around and uh, gave you, gave her a really sort of uh, clear sort of uh, outline of uh, not acceptable sort of language. How dare she? I found it offensive. Blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, um, I didn't have a trade or anything. And I said, "You're really fortunate. I'm able to sort of uh, outline to you um, how inappropriate what you've just said is." in today's age and her response was well i grew up with it so my point is there's lots of people probably just like that woman mm-hmm. that grew up with the likes of jim davison's sort of mm-hmm. um, chalk's depiction and mm-hmm. all the other things which were weren't acceptable but yeah it's um we have to do a serious review uh, of all of those programs need to be removed from the archives and not really sort of shown because what they do is they demean obviously sort of uh, black people and other cultures. Yeah. And, you know, Eve, so, so same question to you, but also, you know, do, do you think that um, things have improved? Have we got uh, a, a, a better sort of representation in, you know, the, the entertainment arts and media that actually point these things out and therefore, you know, we probably do, do, do we see less of that sort of instance? I think it's less overt, it's more covert and um, I'll refer to Little Britain Mm. and that was made in the 2000s, that was not in the 70s, Uh, the same for Anton Deck did a very similar sketch as well that was made in the last 20 years. At the time when they their their script writing team and the producers got together, didn't that click that that may not be appropriate? It's only after it's been aired, after some years after it's been aired, and because of the of the um, the climate that we live in at the moment of Black Lives Matter. Because remember, it came off the screens and came off the streaming screens this year in the last six months. So was it inappropriate in 2019? Wasn't it inappropriate in 2003 or 2013 when they made it? Mm. So do I think that we have improved? I don't think it is as covert, but it's just going hand in hand in how society is today. I don't think racism is as overt as as it was it's now covert um so has it improved i think you mentioned about representation Mm -hmm. as well um i'm going to flip it on its head about representation uh, as well representation of black and asian people there is less of that on terrestrial tv when we were teenagers we had desmond's Mm. You know, um, there were programs that were pertaining for black people. Um, This was goodness gracious me. Now, I don't know much about that program, so I can't make that much comment about it, whether the Asian... 
yeah, Real McCoy uh, as well, which is, is funny enough. I remember the BBC, the Real McCoy. Yeah. everyone remembers the Real McCoy, mm. and everybody wants a, a, a revamp of that and celebrated, you know, 30 years on and still have it. And so, so what, 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 was, what was it about the Real McCoy that, um, you know, why people... I think that the Real McCoy was just a reflection of a funny, real incidents that happens in African and Caribbean British life. Mm. It was a comedy for black British people rather than we had to look to America all the time to to um see our own representation not say that we don't find um like more common wise when it was being brought up funny yeah. but it was more representation of the wider society where real mccoy we still find it funny now 20 odd 30 years later that material is still funny um the bbc unfortunately couldn't find it until recently they managed to dust it off and able to um, to replay it, but there is no representations of like that on terrestrial TV. There is a little bit on, um, you know, some younger people who are listening in their thirties or twenties or thirties. There is a program I think it's called Familiar, and it's on BBC Three, and that is centred around the African community and yeah. its comedy sketches. And I have seen that, and it is funny. Familiar, is that the same thing? Familiar, yeah. that's it. Familiar. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is funny, um, and I suppose it's even funnier if you're from the African community. Yeah. But um, we, we've all got African friends and so forth, so we can relate to it to a certain certain yeah. extent. But there's not enough of that. There okay. used to be, just with one final point, the BBC used to have um, a black and Asian commission uh-huh. department, which was defunct. I think it was about 2006 and 2007. They said that was no longer required. There is still, um, there's still the, it's the Asian network on the yeah. BBC. Mm. For us black people, I suppose they would say it's extra, BBC extra one. Well, mm. not all of us are in their 30s anymore, 20s and 30s and clubbing when clubs were are open. What what about the rest of us? So um, I think that needs to be addressed by the media, not only from the streaming channels, but also the, the terrestrial channels as well we'll have to address that and and that would be more equal of representation great thanks does, thanks does anybody that. know how idris elba became famous yes it was no do you the, the wire there's a program in the states called the wire yeah, yeah. The wire well done yeah. right so essentially the story is that idris elba was running around the British uh, TV and movie industry with a lot of talent, obviously, and couldn't get any work and had to go over to America to play an American gangster in order to get a role that mm. was worth talent and then became one of the biggest box office stars of this era. Mm. And I think my, my point is following on from what he's been saying, that the opportunities aren't here for okay. black actors. Um, you know, people were talking about him being a Bond so cultural um, theft, I can't remember what the term is, but the point is um, there's not a lot of black characters uh, on on any media 
and there's not a lot of opportunities for for black actors. Okay, other than, other than football, <laughs> yeah. But Barry, do do do, do you think that because you know the the, the this, you know seventy percent white this uh, uh, this country is roughly? Um, do you think that there is um, a demand for more cultural TV programs on terrestrial or, or any other? Uh, station, do you, do you think the demand is there? Because at the end of the day, what drives demand, yeah, is not um, uh, is, is not sort of like cultural equality, but it's money. Hmm. It, it, that's that's a big question. I, I mean, hmm. going like Eve's point about one extra, uh, which is sort of sold as as, as the black channel. Uh, it, it's the same that my wife doesn't listen to the Asian network because she's not twenty either, and and it, it's not for <laughs> her, you know. So yeah. Um, to, to um, what you need to do is to have uh, multimedia channels rather than pigeonholing that. But because the, there is it's like with the BBC funds, when they sort of shut down, trying to shut down TV channels and the cost of, of running those, what you need to do is to say, I I want to be able to watch BBC One, Two, Three, Four, Channel Four, or whatever, and and have a, a culturally diverse. I don't want. Or this is my opinion. You may may think it's not agree. I don't want to be watching a white channel or a black channel because I don't think that that's a positive message. Mm. Um, I want to be watching mm. a British channel which represents and reflects British personalities, and um, and obviously as, as well, without getting into too many specifics. Watch watching um, you know a normal television drama where the, the the black guy isn't the drug dealer flawed living on some estate and and all the rest of it, mm. which I think there is there is a little bit of that in the same way as the Asian guy is the shopkeeper. Um, we do have those stereotypes which I think are portrayed on there, and, and again it's just a, a very sort of personal view and, and i could be totally wrong and if you statistically lined it up you might say well that doesn't really reflect the, the true case but it's what i watch and it's what i listen to and what i hear um picks it up so i, I don't i don't think um that that to have um dedicated channels for, for doing that stuff uh, is necessarily the right thing but also you know uh, if there should if there is not enough um, one about quotas, and again, if you have have a look at you know female leads as well, uh, and, and also behind the scenes female directors, black directors, and all that kind of stuff, um, then surely BBC Channel Four is the platform to do it because you know they are funded channels, and you can say, well, some other channel which is purely about finance can say, well, I'm only going to run blockbusters, and I'm going to follow. But the likes of the BBC and Channel 4 should be leading in those things. And and, and obviously, over, over time, Channel 4 have had, you know, their gay seasons and had their black seasons and all the rest of it. But it, it, it's it's not core programming, is it? it? It's just, you know, we will run this and we will, we will uh, you know, recognise these things are important. But okay. what uh, it needs to be do is, is part of a, a bit more of a normality. And if that involves having... A commissioner to say, let's have a look and, and look at quotas and what uh, yeah, what percentage are representing, uh, and it's all you know, and, and represent middle class white old people like me. Mm. 
to show me something that, that's interesting, you know, that, that it, it doesn't have to, I don't have to look at white middle class people to be interested. I just want to have something that, that is interesting to me and reflects the world that I live in. Okay, so, so this is a sort of question to everyone and, and, a, and a quick answer, please. Um, so are we saying that um, what we want is a, a, a terrestrial TV that represents everybody? Because we believe that specialist um, stations uh, don't 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 work. They're too specialist. They're too one-dimensional. Is is that what we're saying? Specialist stations do work for those. It makes it more niche. But when it's terrestrial, mm. then it's more open to to everyone and as barry said you know you can watch it or you can move on hmm. but what we, we're finding now i worked in the media a very very long time ago i, I hasten to add but what we're finding now that um in the uk there seems to be more specialist channels like extra and asian hmm. and they are sort of just it's a marketing machine, isn't it? So they're marketing to a very specific demographic in age and colour. So in answer to your question very quickly, yes, I would want to see more of a multicultural diversity on terrestrial TV. Okay, thank you, Eve. My answer would be yes, I want to see more multicultural diversity on terrestrial TV also, but I also do believe um, in um, having uh, specialist t television channels, mm. not necessarily uh, terrestrial, um, okay. but just to run them, even if they are really small operations, mm. very much as an opportunity for artists to develop their skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, an acting shop, um, a writer's shop, mm. uh, these people are not getting opportunities and they need to get that's opportunities. That's a really good point, yeah. That's so what, really so what, do, what do you think, that, you know, the likes of um, you know, Netflix, uh, Amazon, they're putting uh, a bit of money into some of these specialist productions and um, you know, looking at um, more cultural... Uh, that would be closer to, to more like the terrestrial model, I think, because okay. they, Netflix is an organisation that is multicultural uh, mm. um, to an extent. Mm. Um, and in that environment, yes, that's all, all fantastic. Mm. But I'm actually talking about specialising, allowing young people of different, not necessarily only eth um, ethnic groups, but mm. also there's different cultures within the ethnicities. So you've got um, like hip hop, you might have uh, grime, you might have um, a different kind of urban or rural cultures mm. Mm. that are coming through that want to express something about the way that they live. Sure, okay, thank so you. I, I just think that there should be opportunities for people that have artistic skills and to, mm. to merit themselves, to, to put yeah, themselves What about you, Barry? What about you? You, you think that, um, you know, uh, that, that there should be these um, specialist uh, um stations as well um uh, yeah, uh, that I mean, sit alongside the the um, terrestrial i think most people would say yeah what we want to do is from an artistic point of view is to be able to um you know have a channel such as bbc3 which mm. you know i think most people would say that everyone's got their own version of it but the majority of what you see on, on channel three is rubbish mm. but your rubbish is different to my rubbish so mm -hmm. it's got to go on somewhere um see so there, there is not enough outlets like that um but there, there is a cost associated with 
delivering this content. So something like radio, um, it's a lot easier to have because there's lots of independent radio stations which are a lot more niche and they can do that. With television, with the broadcasting, if you have a look at independent broadcasting television, it it they're not really producing a lot of content. They're, mm. they're displaying content that's produced by others because to produce content is phenomenally expensive mm. and time-consuming. So, you know, okay, for, for a young artist, what they can do is they can now put something on on a youtube or equivalent kind of technology and hopefully someone from netflix will say yeah we'll we'll pay you for it and and, and there is a path there which perhaps you know didn't ex- exist before okay but to to um i'm just looking at it from a practical point of view to, you what you want is quality and i, I think if, if you have uh, you know niche television i think it's difficult to have a lot of quality on there and therefore you wouldn't me i wouldn't probably want to watch okay. it Great. Thanks, Barry. Oh, what about you? What do you think? Um, I, I don't think I've really got anything more to sort of uh, add to uh, what everyone else has talked about. You know, I, I absolutely agree that we should have uh, multicultural sort of representation on, on sort of TV. But at the same time, I also think that those specialist channels, um, they certainly have a place and um, people can take or make an elected choice whether they uh, choose to view or not, uh, but I also um, like Max's point around perhaps opportunities for artists to enter into the world of entertainment. That that is one of the areas that would probably sort of support both uh, the drive to sort of achieve those uh, objectives. But yeah, I think uh, in essence, yes, yeah. Okay. Great. All right. So, um, yeah, we, 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 we've covered quite a bit of ground. Um, we could probably have done with a, a bit, a bit more time to, to go into a little bit more detail, but I think it's important to just get a sense of, um, where people's sort of, um, thoughts and opinions are with regards to, you know, the whole conversation around songs and, you know, statues and, 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 you know, what, what the, uh, media art entertainment industry is producing uh, that's suitable for not only for ethnic communities but for for everybody um, I think what we're saying is that there's a bit more work to be done and it's a lot more a lot more difficult than um, than meets the eye to to produce um, good content that is appealing to uh, to all or to specific cultures but there is room there uh, for, for, for that to be done um, and on, on the on the statues front, I think we've agreed that uh, there needs to be a review. Um, but it's important that the the review or the committee or whatever body is going to review is made up of uh, a cross section of society that they have they have their say uh, in in that. Uh, and also uh, as a as a consequence, then you know th- th- there may be the opportunity to bring in uh, some historical figures that traditionally wouldn't have been thought of that represents the community of today as opposed to the community of the 17 or or 1800s um listen thank you all very much for your contribution it's been very interesting as usual this has been ordinary people thank you for listening and good night